I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. <coughs> Where did that come from? That almost sounds like that needed to go at the first of chapter one, right? That'd be a really good introduction. When it comes in the middle of chapter two, it kind of got me thinking too. So, uh, think back in your minds a little bit. Do you remember going to the movies maybe in the 70s or early 80s when they actually had intermissions? Remember that? I know. They'd actually stop. You'd, you'd, you'd watch the movie for a while. And right before it got really good, all of a sudden, it uh, intermission. Enjoy, go get some popcorn and a Coke. Use the bathroom. And they'd, t lights would come up, and yeah. they'd play. You remember that? 15 minutes. Yeah, about 15 <laughs> minutes. And, maybe they, and then maybe they show a cartoon or something, too. But you'd have these intermissions. And that's kind of what I see John doing here. I see John taking an intermission in his lesson. And it, it's exactly what's going to happen because the very next verse in verse 15 he's going to go right in some more of those lessons for the church love not the world i mean we've gone from kind of some tests and some some rules that we need to follow to 12 verses 12 through uh 14 and then right right into love not the world so i mean this is kind of uh it really had me kind of going what matter of fact i'll be honest i almost skipped it I almost skipped it. I, I, I got to this part and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. So I started studying and, and praying and trying to figure it out. Luckily, I had a few weeks to marinate on it a little bit. And, you know, I hope I'm getting the gist of what John's trying to tell us here. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, break that down for you. So John in his letter points out something specific for us today, and, and that is he wrote this letter and he singles out these three different groups, which we'll talk about briefly. Little children, fathers, and young men, right? First, don't get caught up in the gender of this. It, it's meaning everybody, right? He kind of breaks everybody up into three different groups. And he's saying, I'm writing this letter and it applies to everybody. These are rules that actually do apply to everybody, no matter what your station is. That's kind of hard to do. To sometimes have you ever have you ever wrote a handbook or rules? It's hard to write rules that you're not uh, that you're trying to help your new people, but you're also trying not to uh, offend the people that've been there a while, because they're like, really? You're telling me I can't, you know, wear flip-flops to work. I know that. I've been here 10 years. Huh? Eat Kai Claws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Some people you got to spell it out to, right? But um, John does a good job in this letter. He actually breaks it down, and these rules apply to everybody, no matter what point you're at. And what he's, what he's talking about, he talks about what point you're at in your Christian maturity. Your Christian maturity. And, and I think we all recognize the differences. The differences there from when we were first saved 
to a few years later as we kind of began to understand a little bit more to a point to where not you finally get it and there's nothing else you can learn, but things just, you, you, you just get it. You just kind of get most of it. So John points out these three different set of people. So let's kind of talk briefly about who they are. First, he mentions the little children. I write unto you, little children, because ye sins are forgiven for your names, excuse me, for his name's sake. Little children. We've heard that phrase, little children, before. John uses it as uh, Jesus spoke in John chapter 20, was it 7, 26, when he talks to the disciples who went fishing, little children. But at that point, it meant something different. This isn't that same word, okay? At this point, he means little children, babes, young Christians, new Christians. That's who he's referring to here. These are people who have just received Jesus Christ and, and are just now beginning to follow him. And what he wants to remind them is your sins are forgiven. I talked to a young lady on the phone today, or I'm sorry, this weekend, this week at work. Uh, she called in to the credit union, uh, wanting some insurance of all things, and, and I immediately recognized her name. I had arrested her several times over the years. I didn't say anything, you know. But then she recognized my name. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing at the credit union selling insurance? I said, I'm, I'm retired, you know, I've moved on. And she goes, you know what? She goes, uh, she goes, I moved on too. She goes, I've been clean for eight years. And I, I told her right then, I said, amen, amen. But the way she did it is she, had, she moved. She moved out of town. She lives in a different community near here. But she got away from her environment. That's how you change. And think about a new Christian who, who true salvation, you know, we're not, we're not debating whether, you know, this is a, a true salvation. Now, this is a new Christian, true salvation. And they go back into the same environment where they came from. It is very easily for that person to go right back into the world at that point, right? To not, to kind of lose focus of what? Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to go back to that. You don't have to go back to it. You're forgiven. Start over. You're a new person. You've been born again. So John wants to remind these, these new Christians of that. He's saying don't they're they're too easy to get caught up kind of in the latest or the, you know, they're often, especially a new Christian, uh, they're eager. They want to read everything they can. They want to listen to everybody they can. But what happens when they do that? They get some bad information, too. Because they've yet to learn really how to discern uh, truth from fluff. And especially nowadays, I think that's a real concern. A real concern for new Christians is, you know, I want, I want, I want to learn. Give me a book. Oh, man, I see on TV this Joel Osteen guy. Man, there's a... Whole church full of people, 50,000 lists. I bet he's good. Let me listen to him. I'll learn something. And you can get sidetracked real easy with, with some of this junk out there, right? 
But they don't know any different. We haven't taught them yet. So John's reminding them, be careful. Yeah. I can also kind of see somebody going back to where to their environment, slipping into sin. Oh my gosh, I just see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. I'm not. I'm not really saved. God doesn't really love me. That's right. I've sinned. That we haven't taught them about eternal security, and uh-huh. and so they're like, well, I must not have been saved. So I just keep keep living that life. And John's like, no, no. You're, you are. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're no longer guilty of that sin. You're, lo- you're no longer to be judged by that sin or any future sin. Any future sin. That's tough for somebody to wrap their head around right there, right? No longer to be condemned of sin and no longer to be punished even. So you don't have to worry about that. You can live free. You can... But but to your, you're going to have to act reborn. You're going to have to follow some of these rules that I'm giving you in this letter as a guideline for uh, are you doing kind of the right things? No, you, these things don't valid. These things don't make you saved, but they in some way validate that you're saved. Right? We're not saved by our our, our works and our actions, but they do validate. Our, our uh, salvation. And he reminds them, where did that freedom come from? Where did that saving grace come from? Verse 12, he says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Why? For his name's sake. Your sins are forgiven because Christ died on that cross, had the remission of blood, and that is what saves and takes away those sins. So that's where that comes from. Doesn't come from you doing anything else. Nothing. It just comes by through faith and faith alone. And he reminds them of this. And then as we apply this to the little children, it's good for all of us to remember that all believers must remember our sins are forgiven. But these young believers, you know, who are young in the faith, they're more apt to, to uh, I think, lose that and must remember it. So you must guard against returning to the, to the world and its enticements at a, as a reaction to, well, I must not be saved. We'll talk about the world more next week as we continue. By the way, next week we will be combined in the sanctuary, so giving everybody a heads up. And I'll be teaching in there next week. So. Who's the second group John references? I write unto you, verse 13, I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. John loves that phrase. I've, you've known him that was from the beginning. You, you're clear on uh, who, who created everything, who is the, the word, the beginning. What was John 1.1? 1, 1? And the word was, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Um, so, fathers. Well, who's he? Who's he talking about when he talks about the fathers? And we're not going in order here as to from from uh, I don't want to say least to greatest, but from least mature to most mature. We're not this. The fathers are the ones we would consider 
kind of the most mature of this group, okay? These are believers who are spiritually mature with a deep and rich knowledge of God. Where does that deep, rich knowledge come from, you think? The forefathers. Yeah, I mean, they've experienced a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, not only what they've experienced, but what they've seen others experience. I tell you, I learn more from watching others <laughs> sometimes. I want to think that, you know, I might observe somebody else's mistake and go, ooh, I don't want to have to go through that, so I keep from doing that one, you know. So we, as as you you get spiritually mature, you have those experiences and, and knowledge to, to fall back on to those to these few who have walked so faithfully so for so many years John is telling them remember though you have known God from the very beginning of your conversion and you have faithfully and diligently served him you're you're at a point to where you're at that point where we we don't lessen up the responsibility. We kind of expect a little bit more from you at this point. We really do. And John's kind of pointing this out. He points to this group who has this deep and rich knowledge, and he says that they must never forget where they came from. Well, forget where you came from. And, I, you know, I think um, um, Brother Lynn talked about it in the last few weeks you know you, we each have a, I think a wonderful salvation story to share wonderful salvation story now some of them may have come later in life and you can talk about you know where you were prior as a young adult or teenager I saved at six or seven I wasn't a real you know it wasn't like I was a drunkard at five and can tell you that that converted now I don't have that kind of story um, but it still, I can tell you that it changed me at that age. I can, I can think back and, and tell you how, how life changed. But we all have different stories to tell. Don't, remember, don't lose fact of what you were prior to being saved. Don't lose that thought in your head because if you keep remembering that, you'll, you'll respect God even more for number one allowing you just the opportunity to be saved right for taking what you were and giving you the grace to, and mercy just to be able to have salvation and then number two knowing that you don't want to go back to that it may have seemed like a good time back then but it was you doomed for hell and now you're you have a path in, to heaven right so, you know, don't lose that, that mindset as a senior person, as somebody who's senior in the faith. And remember, this has nothing to do with age. Nothing to do with age. I've met some, some, some young folks, teenagers, or even young 20s that I would consider they're probably in this group. It has nothing to do with age. Remember how you grew and how you came to know the Father so well. They must remember how they gained such a deep and rich knowledge of God. Remembering and staying focused upon the Father is the only way a person can really finish the Christian race faithfully and receive that reward. Isn't that true too? Now we'll kind of talk toward uh, maybe seniors in this aspect. 
Um, you know, sometimes as we as you get toward the end, when you know your race is about done, it can it gets sometimes even harder. It's sometimes even harder, maybe lonelier. Uh, Bob and I were talking prior to class. I was talking to my wife yesterday. And I don't know. The older I get, the the uh, more uh, I tend to kind of reminisce about the past and family members that aren't here anymore. And and uh, you know we're the only ones left already. I mean, there's no. We're the senior folks now. Um. You gotta. You know, it it can be frustrating or lonely, but keep the faith. Keep the faith. Know that that race is about done and the prize is in sight. Right. Prizes insight. Go ahead. Brings to mind to me down on the coast at dusk, it's getting darker and darker and darker, and then lighthouse lights up. Yeah. Oh, that's good. There's a light, right? There is a light. The finish line is in sight, and it's a light shining, just waiting for you. Just waiting for you. Keep that faith. And then I think also at that point in our spiritual maturity, we need to remember there's something, there's always something else we can continue to learn. There's always something up. Marla, I mean, I've seen that woman sit through five years of FBI now. And every class she'd tell you she learned something. Am I right? Even though she's been through this, this the Bible now, she's on her second time through FBI. I mean, keep in mind, folks, this is three hours a week for 16 weeks for three years to get through it once. And you're through your second, um, almost second half, right? And every hour class is just chocked full of stuff that I guarantee uh, you, you can't walk out of there and not have learned something. And, and John Yates, who, who has taught it now 31 times, and the guy looks 30. I don't get that, but um, he's changing the curriculum every semester because he's learning new things. You can't use an old book because stuff's changed. This is a book, what, 3,000 years old? And it's, we're still learning about it. We're still learning some things in there. And we're, you know, we're taking some historical facts that, that we know and we're kind of applying them to Scripture and we're learning how these pieces fit into each other. And it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. And I think also, as I'm sitting here discussing this, is popping into my head, I think each time we take a class or a different semester, I'm at a different point in my life, so I learn something different because I'm at a different point in my life. So, I mean, you we can continue to learn just because you're, you kind of feel like, you know, I think I've, I'm, I'm I've kind of, I'm there, I've, you know, I've, we've experienced a lot, I've seen a lot, I'm at that spiritual maturity part where I'm ready to contribute and teach and do those things, you can still learn. I remember when I went through it the first time, my prayer was, Lord, just let me live long enough to get through three years. 
and I still I remember feel you good. saying that. Yep. I still feel good. Anyway. And now she's working on your uh, her second yeah. time. I mean, it's just a, it's a, and I, I'll take a moment to, um, to push that. It's an amazing, amazing program. I'll really encourage anybody to, to consider uh, doing it. And we actually have a couple of different methods you can do it now where if you just want to watch it online, you don't have, you don't think you can come to the class each week, you can do it online and it just costs you an extra 60 bucks a semester. And I'll say that's so it end up being about 160 a semester. That is incredibly cheap compared to going to a, a uh, college. So even that is very reasonable. And I'll add that if don't let the cost of the class keep you from going, if you are one of those that just I want to do this, but money is it's I'm, I'm it's just a factor. Come see me. We'll get you in the class. If you want to attend the class and come to class, of course you don't have to pay that 60 bucks, but you still have access to all the online classes because sometimes we miss, things come up. We missed last week, most everybody was gone for fall break and there was only a couple of us, so we said, eh, watch it at home. It's, uh, it's just an amazing, absolutely uh, amazing thing to do. So you can continue to grow. You can continue to have knowledge. And I don't have this in my notes, but I'll I'll encourage you if you're if you know I'm, I uh, I think in this group I'm talking to a lot of folks that are at that point of spiritual maturity. I really do. So I'll encourage you take that and do something with it. Uh, one of our prayers in FBI continually was, "What are you going to do when you're done?" And Marla is one of our faithful prayer warriors. I know she is. And, you know, everybody takes it and does something with it. So um, find a way. You know, don't be afraid sometime to raise your hand and offer to teach a class or, or something. It's really, it can be scary, but it's not that bad. Not that bad. Uh, and then the final group John discusses, he discusses the young men. This is kind of the middle group. And when I think of young men, I think of uh, folks like you that are out there at the refinery really working. Let me when I was with USI. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of folks out there that that's real work. I'll tell you that's real work. I sit at a desk for a living pushing this and pushing this button and answering email all day. That's not real work. Come on, that's not real work. But some of those men out there, and women, that work in that refinery, man, that's real work. That's real work. The fire department, when they're not sleeping, <laughs> and they're actually, you know, doing the fire side of it, is real work. I mean, putting all that gear on and going in someplace, going walking into the oven. No, that's real work. These young men that John's speaking of, these are the ones that are really kind of uh, battling. They're the ones battling. These are the ones that Satan's going after. John tells us in chapter 13, he says, I uh, write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. He's reminding them, you're the ones that are they're primarily battling Satan at this point. 
because you're out there faithfully serving you're you know helping us with building projects you're doing all these things you're sharing your faith and that's who satan's going to attack and you know they're they're raising families raising kids they're at they're past that point of being a babe so they kind of are able to discern a little bit so they're they're really in the word they're learning and satan's beating them up He's beating them up, but they're fighting through it. They're fighting through it. And he's telling them also, just like the fathers, he's saying, you don't forget how far you've come. Don't forget what you were before you were saved. Um, he's saying, You'll, you have fought a long battle. And you have now overcome the wicked one. The wicked one used to attack them at every turn. And he attacked them with temptations, um, but especially with the sins that were so common before their conversions. How do you really attack somebody with something? like? And I've heard pastors say this, and it's true with me too. Um, gambling? Like a casino? That's not a temptation for me. Um, I... I've told you around here I won't go. Now I went. I'll, I'll uh, confess to you that I uh, back in March I had an HR conference that the credit union wanted to send me to, and it, I didn't realize until um, I got there it was at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tulsa. I'm like, oh man! But I thought, well, I don't think any of you guys will be in Tulsa. <laughs> huh? Went in undercover. So I, I put on my Def Leppard t-shirt. <laughs> messed my hair up a little bit. No. But I was there a week. And you know how many uh, of those machines I put a dime in? Not one. It wasn't a temptation for me. I was just almost annoyed more than anything. I'm like, this place is too loud. What, turn off those stupid bells. I mean, it's just, this is ridiculous. I'd rather it been at a, just a regular hotel. It was all, you know, supposed to be fancy, and it actually wasn't. I've been at better Holiday Inns. Uh, it just wasn't a temptation for me. So Satan's probably not going to tempt me with that. He tried maybe, and it just didn't work. Casino, big convention center, and we had to walk through that to get to the convention area. And I, it, it, we just thought it was stupid. I mean, That's it. Sure was noisy. Yeah, just <laughs> noisy. It's in the way. The it's just stupid. I, but Satan's around. gonna work the stuff he really wants to get at you, because he knows you struggle with. That's what he's gonna attack you with often. We had no struggles. <laughs> but there's things that aren't, you know, it's not, you know, that's pointless. We were upset we had to walk through it to get to where we wanted to go. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but some sins, though, are, are so common in, in, in folks prior to their conversions that Satan will come at you on these things. What are evil and immoral thoughts, immoral practices, looking and lusting, drunkenness, lying, cheating, pride arrogance, covetousness, gossiping, hate, anger, and loving money, which, you know, I just heard a 
very interesting interview this morning from the owner of Hobby Lobby. If you haven't seen the headline on that, he's actually he's giving away ownership in his company. Um, they're putting it in kind of a, a group trust that it's going to be run out of that trust. And he's, in his words, he was on Fox News this morning and interviewed. In his words, he said, uh, money is evil and can draw you away from God. So I'm giving my company away. I don't want that temptation. Wow. This is a billionaire. With a B. With B. I mean, there's some testimony, right? But evidently, that might be a temptation for him to want to kind of, you know, make more, make more, make more. And he's like, no. So he's going to figure out a way to make that not an issue anymore. So John has taken the time, and I have so much more, but we're out of time. But John has kind of given us an intermission. I'll go back to that point. From the lessons he was giving us on love your brethren and follow the commandments and, you know, kind of, and he said, pause, I w wait a second, I need to make sure they understand something. Number one, this applies to everybody reading it. So don't think, don't sit there as spiritually mature if you're at that point. And I would suggest if you think you're spiritually mature, maybe you're not. It kind of just happens. <laughs> You don't designate yourself as spiritually mature. But just to make sure, if somebody's sitting there and thinks that this doesn't apply to them, let me stop for a second and hit this point. Let me hit this point. And I think, I, I, and for you know, it being an initial just out of nowhere, I think it really, there was a lot to be said there. A lot to be said. So, no, I don't think we do need to treat everybody the same. I think, depending on where you're at in your spiritual maturity, I'm probably going to treat you a little bit different. Um, I may see somebody struggling, and if I know they're a babe, I may be texting them daily. But if I know, you know, this is a spiritually mature Christian, I don't want to necessarily hold their hand through this. They know how to get through it. I'm going to pray for them, and I'll probably let them know. I may text them once. If you're not getting a text from pastor say he may think you're spiritually mature and you don't need to hold your hand through it we know he's praying for all of us all the time right but when we were new he might have texted you more right so good good lesson I think good lesson I think Ken you want to release us in prayer and we'll go down to worship experience you, Lord, and I'm thankful for that time. Lord, uh, remind us all daily, no matter where we're at in our Christian walk, that we are, at least all of us, forgiven. And not because we're so great, but for your sake. And, and all we got to do is just claim it. And, and thank you for those of us who, who have overcome the wicked one, Lord. <clears throat> we can be an encouragement then to those babes in Christ. And, and Lord, I'm thankful for those here today that have a relationship with you, that know you intimately, you, the creator of this whole universe. 
and that they can be a help to me sometimes. And Lord, I'm thankful for for John reminding us of this because sometimes the Christian life is difficult. Sometimes the worldly life is difficult, and, and these truths are good for us to remember. Lord, so I thank you for this lesson today, and I pray that everybody will take it home with them and be encouraged during the week with it. Lord, now that we get ready to go to the worship service, I just I just ask that you bless this time, Lord, that you meet with us and, and, and that you find our worship pleasurable, Lord. Prepare our hearts and our minds to, to worship you, Lord. Uh, be with the preacher as he delivers the message. May it, may it sink into our minds and our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry.